This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the church boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. I hate these guys. Well, welcome to the Church Boys. Did you notice in the last episode and this episode, I'm trying to be just a little bit professional here and, and open with welcome to the Church Boys, you know, so people kind of know what they're... Because professional shows do that, right? They, they, they announce guess. what show it is you're listening to. And Look at you aspiring to be a professional. Well, no, no, I'm just pretending to be, not aspiring to be, pretending to be. All so right, let me... Uh, tomato. <laughs> What is it? Facilitated and enabled. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, welcome to the Church Boys. Chris Field here with my little, my cute little friend Billy Hallowell. Uh, he's wearing a, a, a nice yellow sundress today, which is fascinating. <laughs> you are so, so stupid. So this is me. Bo- um, this is me being professional, Billy. You, you are the, the <laughs> dumbest dumb of all dumbs. <laughs> Just piles and piles of stupid everywhere. <laughs> all right. So before we get into the. Uh, the news of the day, and boy, howdy, Ugh. is there a story that blew up the interwebs today. Uh, before we get to that, <laughs> Billy, uh. tell me about your day yesterday. <laughs> it I shouldn't know. Here's the th- I shouldn't take as much joy from this as mm. as as I do. And, and but yeah, here and, you are. And listeners, boys and girls out there. You shouldn't take as much joy as you're about to take from this story. So, well, the the thing about this story <laughs> is that I have a 2013 Rav4. Okay, this car okay, is only a couple mis- years mistake, old. Mistake numero uno. Mistake driving numero, a Rav, exactly. driving a Rav4. It was four. cheap. It was cheap at the time, <laughs> but a, a 20 a 2013 Rav4. I've had no real issues with it um, until a few weeks ago. Actually, a couple months ago, it started doing this thing where you'd put it into drive and the car would like jolt forward <laughs> and it would, there'd be a pause before you were in drive. So like I took it into Toyota. Wait, like, like you have a woman driver. <laughs> oh boy, here oh we go. Dear. I can't yep, be here goes the war on women. Can't be saying uh, those kinds of things on podcasts. No, you cannot be. Um, well anyway, so I started having that problem. I brought it to Toyota. They looked at it and they were like, there's nothing wrong with this. This is just the way it is. Yeah. You know, no problem. I'm like, okay. So a month goes by. I take the car back to get an oil change. And and next thing I know, they're like, you need a new transmission. We think it's the computer. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm like, I just brought this car here a month ago and you guys said it was fine. So, so it's a, a warranty, though. Is it, it was a warranty it, deal? Yeah, barely. On the Thankfully, thing? if I yeah, by like a thousand miles, I was almost to my fifty thousand. Oh, really? So, so I'm like, all right. So they put a new transmission in. Everything's fine. Then yesterday, I'm driving down the road, drinking my coffee, <laughs> about <laughs> about to hit the exit near my house. Okay, right. near my house, and all of a sudden, I like go into neutral. 
And I'm like, what is what is going on? And I'm like gliding slowly oh, down the road. Like I'm going to pull off in the shoulder and I'm going to just get out. I'm going to like turn the car off, put it back on. I pull off in the shoulder. I turn the car off. I go to put it on. It turns on. I put it in drive. Nothing happens. The car will not move anywhere. Reverse drive, nothing. <laughs> so I'm there's like a fence. I'm on like the highway. There's a fence between me and in this automotive shop. Okay, that's the irony of this whole entire thing. I can see it, but I can't touch it. But get to it. It's like twenty feet away from it's me. It's twenty feet away from you, but as the road goes, it's about four miles away. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so I called AAA and and it was just, it was a disaster. So finally somebody comes to tow the car. And next thing I know, I'm in the car with the tow person, and they're like, they, first of all, AAA asks me, are you going to follow behind the tow truck in another vehicle, or are you going, what other vehicle well, would I because, be behind because you Because sometimes, in? like, if, if your spouse were available, she'd come pick you up, and then you follow them. Nobody who has then, car trouble has that the luck to have that happen. Well, sometimes Every, it happens. That's why they ask the question. Because they need no, to know, because no. the because the... It's for the safety of the tow truck driver, so the tow truck driver knows whether or not he's going to have a passenger. Because if he gets there and he wasn't planning on a passenger and suddenly he has a passenger, he has problems. Well, he had a passenger, let me tell you. He had a passenger for the 15 miles to the Toyota place. And <laughs> Toyota I had to place that you, could have, that you could have hit with a rock. Well, that a normal, a normal male with the ability to throw anything could have hit with a rock from, from where he was standing. Well, no, the thing was, I knew I'd end up back at Toyota no matter what because they had to cover it. So I didn't even go to another place. I paid the extra money. I had to pay per mile, $5 a mile, to get further to Toyota because there was no point. So it was just crazy. And honestly, um, yeah, my wife was an hour away, so she couldn't get there. But it was was just a nutty, nutty thing. And the car is still there. I I still don't have the car. They are ordering a new computer for it, whatever that means. Picture you standing on the side of the road sobbing. Well, no, but then when I got to Toyota, I had nowhere to go. So I was roaming around for well, luckily, hours. And it, luckily, you'd taken your computer with you and you could work. Nope, didn't have waiting? my computer. Oh. <laughs> my phone was almost dead. It, it was a real joy. It was a, a real... You were, so you were like super prepared. <laughs> yep, yep. And, and um, this is, the, this it is was someone awful. who works for for one of Glenn Beck's companies. Mr. Prepared. Mr. Prepared. Prepare. Yeah, well, I'm I'm the king of preparedness, clearly. But I, I'm hoping we don't have to pay anything for this. They're saying it's covered, but we'll see. Well, I hope so. I mean, it's, we it should see. be. It should be. It will be. It was, but I was on the side of the road thinking, what? I've never been on the side of the road before. What am I going to oh, do yeah. here? Because I didn't know when AAA was coming. And I thought, do I climb the fence? But then what do I do? My car's over on the other side. So you've never had one of these issues before? Never, you've never, had, not like never that. changed never. a flat tire or mm. or had a like I've had in a my clutch, driveway I've, once. I oh, had I've to. had a clutch go out on the freeway, all sorts of stuff. Uh, just a tire once, maybe. I had a let's see, many many times. Of course, you know I was young and stupid and couldn't afford a, a decent car. But I had my see, I was on ninety five in Washington D.C., which is already unpleasant enough, and my clutch went out. So I'm standing on the side of the road, sobbing. Let's see what else. I've had. I've had several flat tires and that sort of thing. But one time, oh, I haven't. I've never told this before. So one time, I'm in college and I'm traveling home, and we're going through. I think we're in, either in Idaho or Oregon. I can't remember exactly where <coughs> along the highway we are. But I reached down to grab something off the floor and got back and had. I hit some gravel. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was in the left <laughs> lane of a of a freeway, like a, of I eighty four, and <laughs> I hit some gravel and go down into the median. Right, this super huge wide median. It's got to be you idiot. It's like I, this median is probably twenty yards wide at least, right? And it's all grass. And I slide down into it, 
course, you're going 70 miles per hour because it's the freeway. And I hit this gravel and I start spinning, like going backwards. I go backwards and it strikes me. And I'm, it's, you know how your brain kind of works and puts things in slow motion as you're thinking. And so as, I rem- as I'm remembering this, I remember thinking there is an overpass coming up, which means that there is a big, huge cement pillar right there in the middle of the, over- of the, of the median that oh I know God. that I am headed right for. Because the car has spun a couple times already. And I slam on my brakes, spin my wheel, and then hit the gas and fly right back up onto the freeway. And I missed that. I missed the the cement post that holds the overpass by probably 20 feet, maybe. Wow. Yeah. And the only thing that was wrong with my car, and then I pulled up, got on the freeway, went right across the freeway onto the other side and parked on the on the right-hand side of the freeway. And only thing that happened was I had a flat tire and not because it popped, but because sliding sideways, it, it pulled it off the, pulled the tire off the rim and it went flat. So then I had to put a spare on, but that's pretty crazy. Like Tokyo drift over here. Who knew that you were. <laughs> and then one time I the race car driver. laid down, laid down my motorcycle in the middle of the highway, hit some gravel and <laughs> you wait, you had a motorcycle. Do you still have a motorcycle? Yeah, I still have a motorcycle. Yeah. You're an idiot. No, it's about it's a it's a it's a uh, Honda Shadow Spirit 1100. It's a big bike. It's fun. It's about 600. Pound. I am. It's about a 600 pound bike, and I laid it down in the middle of the highway on gravel, and of course my legs all torn up, my pants are all torn up, but there's traffic coming, so I had to pick up from its side the 600 pound bike, <laughs> and just take off and get back on. Of course the handlebars and front wheel are crooked, so I had to drive it slowly about 20 miles and maybe maybe 20 miles an hour, probably closer to 10, 15 all the way home with my handlebars crooked and a huge dent in my gas, um, gas tank and all that. Are you Stupid. sure this wasn't a moped? This nope, was a pretty motorcycle? Sure, pretty sure. I'm no John Seidel. I don't wear I, um, don't, I, don't I ride cannot handle. Well, the worst part about John Seidel's, like, it wasn't even a moped. I don't even know. It was like a scooter with an engine he taped on. was that it was purple. It was purple. Right, that was the worst the part purple, about it. The Joker motor, the Joker moped. Like the Wicked Witch of the West, like, scooting along the road in the middle of New York City. It was ridiculous. What a silly little man. I love him. Um, but the point is I don't like motorcycles. I'm actually not a fan, not because uh, I would be if I didn't live here, but yeah. people here with motorcycles oh, outside of New York, it's just, you're taking your life in your head. There's no, people don't even want to drive in a car here. Why are you in a motorcycle? Right. Well, and, and the people, and the people that give motorcyclists a bad name are usually the guys on the crotch rockets because <clears throat> they just, uh, they're just, they, if there's someone who's going to give motorcyclists a bad name, it's more likely that he'll be on a crotch rocket than anything else. Because I don't want to speak badly about all about all riders of crotch rockets, because I've ridden them and they they can be fun, and I have lots of friends who ride them. But no, I'm I'm big I'm a big fan of the big cruiser bikes. Those are fun. So plus, it lets me be in a gang. I just can't. <laughs> can we please talk about transgender issues now? Because this is so we need to transition. Then is that what we're doing? Yeah, we do. Uh, let me turn this up. Okay. So <laughs> we are fully got, tra- we are fully transitioned now, Billy. What did you want to bring up? We've got a real transgender <clears throat> drama going on this right is, now. Drama over transgender issues. This is rather. the story that blew everything up last night and this morning. Huge. It's been coming for weeks, though, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. this has been you this know has been, been coming and coming and coming for weeks. Yep. yep. Because because we have this this battle over the bathroom thing, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I I just want to say before we get into the battle, the the idea of 
somebody using the restroom of their choice. I think you kind of hear both sides on this. The one side worried about abuse and all that. Then you hear the transgender side. I think Caitlyn Jenner, some others saying, you know, transgender people would never hurt, are not out there to hurt anybody. I actually think that misses the point of the issue. The issue isn't really about transgender people, although there are some issues there with what people don't want their kids seeing and stuff. The issue is about other people, sick, 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 sick people who are going to manipulate it to try to hurt kids. Right. That's the issue. Right. Well, that's part of the so issue. So the critique doesn't meet that. But that's that's part of the issue. But I think that, <clears throat> I think we have to, and I'm going to get lambasted for this, I know. I think that as normal human beings, we need to be able to say it's not right for a person who's got XY chromosomes to go into the bathroom of people who have XX chromosomes. Period. End of sentence. Quick question for you. Quick yes. question for yeah. you, because I want to play devil's advocate on this. Uh, the, de- de- the, devil, just... the devil doesn't need any more advocates. So I guess my devil's advocate question would be, and I think this is the only thing I've heard that does make me say, hmm, well, what are you going to do then? And I, I can imagine what your answer is going to be, but I'm just going to put it out there. So, <clears throat> you know, if you make a man who is who looks like a woman go into the men's room, are there also issues with that? You mean a, a man who has chosen to look uh, like a woman? Yes. Okay. So I don't have an issue then. Yes. You use use the men's room. You've chosen to look like a woman. You've chosen to do something that is. You have you have chosen as a man to look like a woman, period. But use you, the men's when room. they say like they'll be attacked, they'll be violent. There's violence against if them. If I go also, if, if wait 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 in a way, if I go wait. if listen, if I go into some respectable, if I go into some respectable establishment wearing a clown nose and clown shoes, and they ask me to leave. Because I don't belong your normal, there. Your normal clothing. <laughs> right. But if I choose to wear clown shoes and a clown nose and a clown wig and clown makeup, and I want to go into some respectable establishment, I can't demand that they let me in just because I... You have chosen to dress the way that you are dressed. You have chosen to appear the way you are appearing. If that keeps you from having access to places you want to have access, then perhaps you should change your behavior. Um, well, what about the notion of people being uncomfortable? Let's say, you know, because men might be uncomfortable by that. I would, I don't know. I mean, this is one of the critiques. Well, here's, here's the deal. Out there. If you, if you were, I'm not going to believe this, but if you were born with a penis, you use the men's room. If you were born with a vagina, you use the ladies room, Period. If we were to do a blood test on you, if blood tests were available to be done at every en- at the entrance of every bathroom, and I do not advocate that, and it comes back that you have an XY chromosome, you go to the men's room. If it comes back you have an XX chromosome, you go to the ladies' room. This is not difficult. Period. Well, I'm uncomfortable that while well, I'm wearing a dress and I'm in the men's room and people are going to laugh at me. Don't be a man wearing a dress. Oh boy, these are tough issues. All right, so let's. let's no, I think I mean, to your point though. I I think that the critiques on both ends of this are interesting to me. I just am fascinated that I guess if you're a rational person looking at this, I'm fascinated as to why people don't understand the critique of people are going to manipulate right. the, these laws right. that's, to hurt. The, I mean, and people. that's right. And my stance is is one that's it's a moral and logical as far as genetics go stance, but. I think that it's it seems as plain as the giant noses on our faces that you're <laughs> opening yourself up to problems if you say 
if you consider yourself a woman, you may use the woman's restroom. And who am I to say that you don't actually consider yourself a woman? It seems to me you are opening yourself up to a lot of problems <laughs> as a society. Well, it does seem to me that there are solutions to these things that are easy to yes, come up with. Yes. Stop being I don't an, know. stop being an idiot. That is a there's a very quick and easy solution. Well, but let's say you know we want to live in we want to live in a society where we let people do whatever they want, even if we don't right. agree with it. But the we solution don't. We don't, would no, seem we, to be we draw lines. Well, listen, we draw well, lines on whether what people can do whatever they want. But that ship has sailed, so the lines aren't going to be drawn. So at this point, we have to deal with you know we yes we could say that, but the ship has sailed, and we have to come up with a solution that makes everybody happy at this point. Yeah, and the solution the ship, would be when you go to a Starbucks, you there's a family the ship, restroom. You turn the ship around. That's how you solve it. Yes, and. and <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. But yes, I, I think we have to be realistic. That's not going to happen. It could, but I don't think it will. So, you know, one of the solutions has been a family restroom that is available at. I mean, look, Starbucks uses them. They don't have a men's and women's bathroom. Yeah. They have family restrooms. That's what they have. Listen, I'm not saying do away with male and female bathrooms. The, the I'm idea just that saying, the government should be doing any of this kind of stuff is ri ridiculous. Right. And that gets into the story that, that blew up today that we haven't even got to yet. But. Well, if, yeah, if, so if, let, I mean, if let's, Starbucks, get, let's get into that because I think... If Starbucks or Target wants to allow men to use the women's room and women to use the men's room, then Starbucks <coughs> and Target, I guess, can do that. But expect problems and expect people to expect backlash. You know, if you want to have family restrooms, I like, I like the idea of the family restrooms as a dad because I could take my littles in there and each of them could use the bathroom. I've got two girls and a boy. And I've got one of them, and one of them is in diapers. So number one, the girl can use the bathroom, and then number two, the boy can use the bathroom while I change the diaper of number three. And we're all in the same bath. I like the family bathrooms, but it's called a family bathroom for a reason, not a dude. You're wearing a dress bathroom. Well, I think that might be the solution, though. That's the middle ground. Is probably just have a family bathroom, and anybody can use it who wants to use yeah, it. Yeah, but the problem is that the government is now going to is getting involved in mandating mandating things. Right, which is, and, which and is this the story is where, from today. when you have Obama, the Obama administration telling every public school that they need to let kids use the bathrooms and the locker rooms of their choice, that asking is trouble. another level here. You're, you're asking for trouble. The, the local high school where we are right now has a ban on, you may, you may not take your phones or cameras into any of the bathrooms or locker rooms in the school. You simply may not do it. If you do it, you're automatically in trouble. There's a, there's a consequence. I don't know what it is exactly. But you may not take it. As a football coach, I collect, before we go into the locker rooms, even on away games, I collect all of the cell phones of all of the football players. That's our policy. And we keep them on the bus. Because we don't take cell phones, we don't take cameras into the bathrooms. Period. And the reason that that rule has to exist is because there are little little boy perverts who want to take pictures of little girls. And I'm not just talking, you know, prepubescent. I'm talking teenage boys and girls. They're taking pictures. They want to take. What what teenage boy hasn't fantasized about walking into the late girl's locker room? Almost yeah, well, all of them. Have. <clears throat> I think. Yeah, I, I don't. I think. Yeah, you're asking for trouble. The, the school thing is a little more complicated. It's a little different than the public accommodation thing outside of that. I think, Yeah. again, you have to find a middle ground. No, what's that middle ground going to be? No, you, don't. you don't have. No, you don't have to. Well, find here, a here's ground. the thing. You here's have the thing. a girls' locker room and a boys' locker room. You really are going to have the issue, and I will say this: in public schools, and I, I, 
I agree with the God made us who we are, and that is the vision for who we should be, and all of that. I'm with you. You're really going to have the the issue of people getting beaten up, attacked, harassed in a school more than you are almost right. anywhere and else. You also have zero tolerance on that. Right. So I don't know. You know, look again. It gets tricky, but this isn't the government saying you have to provide another restroom. You have to. It's the government saying you have to let people choose whatever restroom they want right. to choose. So a little based bo- on their identity. Right. So sixteen-year-old boys who have fantasized for a long time about going into the girls' room and taking a peek can now just waltz right in. And if somebody questions them, they can say, "How dare you question my views of my own sexuality?" Well, I do know in some places they're saying, well, it has to be well-known, well-documented. Yeah. Well, Now, what how kid, do you even know that? How do you kid, document that? But the, but the fact is <clears throat> there is no kid who's, quote, in the transition stage or having the questioning or whatever who makes that well-known. That's that, that doesn't that Those cases almost don't exist at all, period. You have to provide documentation or you have there has to be a record of well we've known for some time that Sammy Sammy has always questioned that he has always questioned his sexuality. So we have to but Sammy hasn't made that public. That's not something that Sammy has talked about. How do you have well, a, how do you have a record of that? It's ridiculous. Well, here's the thing. This was I think it's Fort Worth. I'm actually looking it up right now because we just did a story on it the other day um, where right before Obama made this announcement uh, this the school district in Texas and the and the Texas government state government's fighting back against this um, essentially said that the superintendent said you can use whatever bathroom you want. They had different options, like as long as nobody's uncomfortable, if they are uncomfortable, you have to go somewhere else. But basically, the, the big thing in this policy, which is similar to what Obama's calling for, is that the school counselor became like an advocate that has to help the kids through the transition. And everybody in the school has to, they are forced to support that transition no. using gender pronouns, all nope. of that. That Now you're moving into a really dangerous area of free speech because you're right. telling teachers and other people that they must use language I know. that is reflective of what the government says they must and use. And it's all because, it's because this one student, you're going to make them uncomfortable. But what about the other 100 students who are going to be made uncomfortable by the presence of Sam McTucks <clears throat> my penis in the, in the women's bathroom? Yeah, I mean, this is so this was and I'm just looking here. Yeah, the Fort Worth uh, Independent School District. That's where this is unfolding. You've had you've had Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick of Texas actually calling for that superintendent's resignation. Yep. Uh, they have been pretty fervent in the government pushing back against this. But uh, the guidelines are they're put into effect April 26. They call on district personnel to support and acknowledge students gender identity. Um. And ba- I mean, basically, again, that that to me, and I'm looking at part of the policy here, is the most <laughs> problematic piece of this because you are then now forcing something on staff members of a school district yeah. that they may not believe that this is okay. And and look, there have been a, John Piper, Pastor John Piper, and we've talked about this before. He put out a piece um, not too long ago saying, look, you know, he has no problem using a name like Caitlyn Jenner, but when it comes to the pronouns, he is lying if he says that a man is a woman and that is right. his belief on it. So okay. he'll use the name, but he won't use the gender pro- the preferred gender pronoun. Right. So to force that on people, I think, is a little well, problematic. Yeah, it is. It's it's ridiculous. And I was about to use another word, but I'm not allowed to use the, the other word. Uh, 
So you should mentioned, we should you we take Dan. wait should we take a blissful break here and, yes. and run an interview just to give people a moment? Why don't we take a commercial? Break? Take a look. We got to run that commercial. We'll come right back. Oh, yes, right. Got to bring got to bring the we'll, cash in. And we'll, I get that's it. That's right. Ding 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 ding. And then we'll just come right back and do whatever, whatever uh, tickles our whatever fancy. it is whatever, we do. Whatever tickles our fancy. Okay, so we will be right back. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com. And now, back to the church boys. They're a real pain in my So we had a good, fun opportunity to sit down with Jordan Felice, who is a new Christian singer, relatively new Christian singer. Um, his stuff is really and we and we talked about this it's really interesting because a lot of christian music feels like christian music and mm -hmm. that could be a good thing or a bad thing but it's, you kind of you know it's not mainstream music when you uh, hear it huh. uh, not all christian music i think there's some bands like mercy me and others that have come a long way and they're producing really great stuff but a lot of it right. now jordan Matthew Felice, west. the thing what was that matthew west i actually i think matthew west music he's, is also great he's, and, he's and very feels good. very talented. right it's good i mean music. he's not he's not it's really good it is Matthew is not good enough to get him a Grammy, but but oh I'd say very, God. I'd say really, really good. Whatever. Anyways, <laughs> terrible. You have a Matthew as Grammy joke once an episode. I try. It's it's like the thing. Um, <laughs> but Jordan, so Jordan Felice though, like you hear his music and you're like, that sounds like a pop song. <sighs> Sorry, I was just thinking thinking about certain Christian artists. Um, anyway, but. You, you, you hear it and you're like, wow, that would Did be like that? on top 40 somewhere. Did you, hear that? So, Did you hear that, Jason Crabb? Sorry. Uh, he makes good music too. Anyway, and it, so we sat down with him and we talked about his music. When I was stranded yesterday at Kohl's, by the way, and this is crazy, and I texted him after because no, I heard I thought it. You I, were like, stranded I, at I thought you were stranded at Toyota. Well, I was, but there's a Kohl's nearby. Also, oh, you waddled over to Kohl's. I waddled. I Disney was going to say that. I waddled shop. over. I rolled myself over like a meatball to Kohl's, and um, I had to go to the bathroom. To be honest with you, that was the real issue. Oh, so Toyota I found the bathroom didn't have a Kohl's. Toyota didn't have a can. I didn't feel like going in because they're trying to. They keep trying to buy one of our cars, and it's like an awkward encounter every time. I just didn't want to deal with the salespeople, <laughs> and I had to walk past them to get to the bathroom. Toyota's trying to buy one of your cars. Yeah, they want to like buy it back early. It's it's. Oh, I want to get you. Interested. They want to get not, you. Toyota, if you're listening, I'm not interested. <laughs> um, well, there goes the, the, there goes the Toyota sponsorship. Well, so listen, yeah, that was our <laughs> that was our backhanded way of giving Toyota free airtime. Um, but I heard Jordan Felice's music in in Coles, which was kind of crazy. I was like, wow, they're playing this Christian artist music in Coles, and I don't think he's trying to cross over or anything. I mean, he's just playing music that is good no, and it's we doing just got, well on K-Love. We just got done with this transgender issue. You said he's not trying to cross over. You're talking Christian slash mainstream crossover. Oh, my goodness. Yes, Chris. Okay. I, I, yes. I, hey, listen, you just never know anymore. Anyway, I sat down with Jordan, 
It was fun. It was great. It was informative. But you guys got to listen to this guy because he's great. I think he was like a former heavy metal singer too, by the oh, way. Really? Like mainstream. Really? Had a band and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's got like a crazy background. Anyway, let's just roll it. It's Billy Hollowell here with the Church Boys. And I actually have a guest on the line who I've been looking to talk to for a while. And um, I'm excited to have him on. It's Jordan Feliz. How you doing today? Hey, Billy. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. So... Yeah, it's funny. I I had been wanting to have you on the podcast, and um, a publicist who I know actually reached out, and uh, they had sent an el- you know, a copy of your album and everything. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is perfect because I hadn't yet figured out how to reach you, and and things are always crazy. And so it was awesome. It was just a good connection at the right time, and I appreciate you coming on today. So, oh man, I'm I'm stoked to be on, man. This is awesome. So you you're traveling around. You're like all over America right now, and I have to say the one thing, and this is a question I was going to ask you later on, but I guess I'm just going to dive into it now. The one thing about your music that I think is really interesting, and I'm probably going to offend people here, and I don't want to because I love Christian music. I listen to Christian music all the time, but it almost doesn't feel, and I'm regretting saying this already, it doesn't feel like Christian music. And what I mean by that (laughs) is sometimes Christian music has a certain feel to it. And it's not a bad feel. It's just you can kind of tell um, when you're you're dealing with or listening to a Christian song. Um, And your lyrics are amazing, but the music feels really, there's a lot of energy to it. It feels great. And I wanted to ask you about that sound. You know, is that intentional? Man, it 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 definitely is intentional. <laughs> um, I, I think for me, um, I, I grew up listening to like a lot of uh, like soul music with my parents. <laughs> um, like I just grew up listening to, like Earth, Wind, and Fire, and Al Green, and Sam Cooke, and the Commodores, and I, I didn't. I grew up listening to Christian. I listened to Christian music as well, but. I think it's one of those things that I had like this mixture of sounds and stuff. Um, and I think whenever I started writing my own music, some of the influences that I had grown up listening to started coming out, you know? Um, and, and, you know, sonically, um, when I started writing, it, it was kind of funny because I would go to a lot of the writers that I write with and, and I'd say, you know, I, I want to push the limits a little bit. I don't want to go crazy, but I also want it, I, what I want it to sound like, and this is usually what I would say, is I'd say I, I want it to sound like something that would be on top 40 or in the general market, but I want all the lyrics to edify the Lord. I love that and, because that's exactly what it feels like, though, and that's what I was getting at, right? It it feels like something, yeah. I live in New York, and so Z100 is our is the big station here, the big top 40 station here. And that is, it's sort of like, wow, these songs could play anywhere, right? But the lyrics are great. Anyway, continue. (laughs) Yeah, oh, man, and that blesses me, though, seriously, hearing you say that. Because honestly, it's kind of what I was aiming for because, you know, I kept hearing, you know, friends, and I even have family, and they're like, man, we would listen to Christian music more if, you know, this. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, And it was like, if it would sound more like, you know, Maroon 5, or maybe if it sounds more, you know, if it just wasn't, if it wasn't so down sounding, you know, or whatever. So for me, it was like, man, this is like a group of people, young people, old people. I mean, you know, every, there's, 
there's a, a large demographic that's that's being missed right now, and and that it's people that are kind of like turning the station over from Christian radio because it's getting like, I mean, you might get a little slack for what you said, but I might get more slack for this. But <laughs> for lack of better terms, boring. Yeah. You know, that's what my that's what my family like. Some of my my aunts and uncles, that's what they would consider it. And yeah. I'm just like, man, like, like there's nothing about the gospel that's boring. You know what I mean? Like why, why, you know? And so for me, it was like, it was almost like a, uh, um, like a goal, you know, yeah. to set out to do something and to make it exciting, you know, and to make people want to listen. Well, that's why when I said to you, I had wanted to talk with you, that was exactly why, because I had heard your, your songs and I heard a few of them and I thought this is really, you know, and credit to Caleb because they were playing, they were playing a number, they're playing a couple of your songs. And I was like, wow, this is great. Like, I got to talk to this guy because it just, it feels different. And I do think, you know, when we talk about Christian movies, we talk about Christian music, there's a lot of this discussion and this debate about, you know, the quality and, and all that. I think it's been a process, but, and it's a process that's ongoing. There are a lot of great Christian music groups out there. And I think the music, um, is getting better and better, and even some of those those bands like Mercy Me, who I I love, I love Mercy Me. I think they've they've changed their sound over the years, and they've evolved. They make great music, uh, but there's still a lot of that sort of that just that notion of feeling the difference in the music, and and like anybody, whether they're a Christian or not, without the, you know pushing the lyrics to the side, even could hear a song and be like, oh yeah, that's like not you know mainstream music, that's Christian music, and I think that's like you said, there's a whole audience out there. And when you talk about, you know, evangelizing, that could really benefit from hearing music like yours. So I appreciate that you've that you've done that. Um, let me ask you this, because I know the beginning of your career, you started out you know, singing in a secular band. So t- take me through that a little bit, what that was like and where you sort of had the, the point of saying the breaking point, maybe of saying, you know, I'm actually going to go into the Christian music world. Yeah, man, um, you know, when I was 17, um I got approached on MySpace, which maybe I'm aging myself a little bit right now. <laughs> oh, I know MySpace. Uh, <laughs> um, but I had a guy that just wrote me and said, hey, man, like, my band is looking for a singer, and we, we saw your band play, and we would love for you to come out and, like, listen to some of the songs we're doing. And, and I was 17 at the time, and, and so I went out, listened to it, and basically just joined this band, and we actually started touring my senior year in high school. And so, um, so we, we basically just went through these things and, and we were all believers, you know, that was the kind of nice thing was that we, even though we were in the general market, we kind of had a mission of being able to talk about Jesus in a genre and in a context that there wasn't a whole lot of Jesus, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, um, so even though we were in the general market, I think the mission behind the heart that I've kind of always had for people, um, it's, it's, it's stayed the same through all of it. Um, and you know, I think you can only play metal music for so long (laughs) before, you know, and especially for me, I mean, I, it was just never my passion, you know, it was never something I could, I could see my doing for the rest of my life, you know? Yeah. And, um, and man, you know, when that kind of started falling apart, um, I uh, I took a job at a church actually to be a worship leader, and um, and within that year of being a worship leader, um, I got a phone call from a friend that I had met several years ago, 
And he was like, man, I, I moved to Nashville and I have a lot of like connections here and I'd love to set up some, some writing sessions with you because I just, I think that you're a great writer and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, I mean, I would love to come to Nashville. So, <laughs> so basically just kind of booked this flight and went, you know, and fell in love with it. And, um, a couple months later, I just, I told my wife, I'm like, can you just start praying about this with me? I just feel like the Lord is kind of calling us there, and, and I don't know why, because I just got this great job at this church, and and so, um, like, the next month, me and my wife went to Nashville, and she fell in love with it, and that was kind of like the beginning of the snowball of just like, okay, the Lord has got his hand on us, and we're going to move to Nashville. When and was then, that? I, when was that, that you guys moved to Nashville? Man, it was crazy. Like, moving to Nashville is like a testimony on its own. I mean, I, I'm i a big planner, you know? That's just kind of my personality to plan things out. And a lot of the times, <laughs> that butts heads with what the Lord is actually planning for me, you know, oh, and yeah. what I'm planning for myself. Oh, yeah. And, um, and man, I tell you what, man, I booked shows because we couldn't afford the entire move. So I booked shows. Um, on the way to Nashville so that we could pay for everything. And um, two weeks before we moved, man, everything got canceled. Like the entire, all, all the shows, I booked like 12 shows. And they were, they all got canceled in two weeks. Oh my God. And, um, and I was just like, Oh my gosh. And, and we were, my wife and I were looking at each other like, is this the Lord saying like, Hey, you've been reading this wrong the entire time. You know, and we just kept praying and we still felt like he was saying go, but I kept, I kept feeling him say, just trust me, just trust me. Like, that's the word that I kept getting. And I was just like, oh, okay, we're going, I guess, you know? And so I'm literally calling churches as we're driving to the places that we're, <laughs> we're trying to get shows, you know? And I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever like, <laughs> I mean, if I worked at a church and man calling a church the day of and being <laughs> like, Hey, could I come and play? I mean, dude, that's like impossible. But for some reason, I mean, literally, I just kept getting show to the next show. And man, when we got to Nashville, I had actually made money. It wasn't just like our bills were paid. It was like I had made money. And um, and it was just kind of, uh, it was proof for me that when I would give things to him, he could do so much more, so much, so much vastly more than, than I could ever do with them. You know, and, and I think that that kind of started this trend for me the moment we got to Nashville of just giving things to him, no matter how big I thought that they were and how many, how much I wanted to get my hands on them. Um, I just would be like, Lord, take it. I, I can't do what you could do with it, you know, and, and man, that's kind of been the trend. And I mean, that's flowed into the river, the first song we went out to radio with. And I mean, it's, it's just, it's been amazing to see the abundance that he's doing in our lives, you know, through just giving things to him and allowing him to take over. And it is funny too, how you, and you said you're a planner and it's like, you try to plan things and you think this is how it's going to go. And a lot of times, like for me, I, I'm actually really not the most organized person, but I have to force myself to be. But when it comes to plans, like big 30,000 foot, you know, plans, I try to plan and you kind of can lose sight of God in that and sort of start planning what you think should happen and how you think it should happen. 
And um, for me, I it's funny, like when you get to look back, and I would imagine you would say this is probably the same you know, for yourself, you're like, wow, that's amazing what God did. And it might not have been the way I would have done it or how what I would have thought, but wow, like look where I am now. It's kind of crazy, right? And there's a purpose to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Oh, my goodness. Like 100%. <laughs> it's crazy. It's totally crazy. So, um, all right, tell me a little bit about, about Beloved. Um, you know, what was the process like? What is your favorite song? I have a million questions, but we'll start with the process. And then what, what song do you love the most on the album? Man, um, right now, the, the new album that just came out a couple days ago, um, my favorite song right now, um, there's a song called Best of Me on it, um, and I am, like, really excited about it, <laughs> and I think it's just kind of, like, the entire new record is all, um, Man, it's just, it's all songs that I, it, it's almost like my life poured out in like a journal, you know? Yeah. Um, and just a lot of learning that's been done, becoming a dad, and um, also um, just, I mean, through the move to Nashville, through our life in Nashville, through the growth in Nashville, and what the Lord has been teaching us and, and my wife and I, becoming parents, you know, moving to this new place, you know, it's kind of just been this whole thing. Um, but Best of Me kind of has a special place in my heart. It's probably one of the most intense songs on the record. Like, um, and, you know, for me, it's just like this fire, like, like, you know, when my pastor just would used to say, like, for the Lord to, to set a fire in us, like bring fresh fire, you know what I mean? Like for that fire to keep burning, you know, um, and, and man, I just feel like that song, I mean, it's just about the fact that through, through the cross, like the Lord has given us this communication through the Holy Spirit, through Jesus, um, for communication to God, you know, and, um, and through that and through the Holy Spirit and through building that relationship with him, um, man, we find the best of who we can ever be in him within us, yeah, isn't <laughs> you know, that amazing? and that's just, that's just kind of mind blowing for me, you know, and it, it really just kind of, it's one of those things that every day for me, it's something that I get to remind myself of and invite him into my life to find the best person I could be today. Yeah, and isn't that that's sort of the amazing message of the gospel and the Bible? And I think the thing that a lot of people miss, you know, especially those critical who who don't understand it, is just that change that. And I think actually, if, when people talk about evidence for God and evidence for Jesus and all that, like the thing that always gets me the most is like I have never seen anything that could transform somebody's life like the gospel and like finding Jesus. I mean, there's nothing like people change in the most insane ways. And it's like, there's no way that that could ever be possible without God. Right. Um, yeah. That's kind of like always been my proof when people ask for that proof. It's like, well, we can have this debate, you know, all the time, but that you look, you can take someone's life and look at the before and the after, and that is your proof. And, you know, with, with that in mind, I think I have a million questions for you, but the last one for now, because I want to actually force you to promise to come back on the show again, because we'd love to have you back. Um, but <laughs> my, I would love it. I would love it. My last you know, question for you is just, you know, 
I told you before we started recording, don't worry, I'm not baiting you with political questions. We don't do that unless we know people want to talk about it. But I think when we look at the world and where we are right now, there's so much going on. When you look at your album and your music, you know, what is your hope for the impact that that music and that album can have in light of where we kind of are right now? Man, um, you know, right now, um, the word that comes to mind for the world, and I've been talking about this a lot lately, but for the state of the world right now is hunger. Um, and I think the thing is, is that people are hungry for, for truth, man. Like, they need truth right now in, in, in the world. Like, people... They might not even know it, but they're craving authenticity. They're craving truth. And, um, man, that's what I pray that my record can be for people is authenticity. Because it's straight from who I am, you know? Yeah. It's straight from what the Lord has really taught me in my life. Um, and, man, I just hope that people can take what he's given me and they can hold tightly to that because man, above all else, man, like there is nothing that we can do. And this is really kind of what my record means to me, but that through Jesus, there, there is nothing that there, we could ever do, say anything that will separate us from him. And through him, we find the best possible version of ourselves and realize that ultimately he is the truest and the only satisfaction that sustains in this life. And man, I would just hope and pray that people would take that away once they're done listening to it. Listen, I, I appreciate this. I think this has been great. We're going to have you back. Maybe we'll even convince you to come on and guest host the show one time. We'll have to, we'll have to uh, try to convince you of that. So we'll see. But either way, you have to come back on. I appreciate the conversation and we'll make sure we link out to the album so people can I pick up copies of it and just really impressed with just like how deep you've thought through a lot of these of these elements and really the final product of the music is amazing. So I'd encourage people to check it out. Thanks, man. Back to the church boys. <laughs> you got that right. We are back. Uh hope you enjoyed that little uh, interview that that uh that Billy did with his special little friend Jordan Felice, uh, Navidad. Uh, Billy, there's been some other stuff going on lately that you've been writing about, and one of them is, and I know that I know you weren't prepared when you went to the Toyota dealership, had the car trouble. However, you thankfully had your pocket Quran on you, and so you're able to get a little reading in, uh, which relates strangely to a story that you wrote. Uh, when, when did you write this? Friday. Uh, yeah, this no, today. Well, Wait, Friday. Well, today would be Friday. Uh, see, I'm trying yes, to Friday. create this illusion of live radio. Cult, uh, yeah, that's not happening. So. so let's just abandon it. Okay. So you wrote this story <laughs> about a, about something going on in the uh, the great state of Oregon, which is a, a neighbor of mine. Um, it, yeah, fine. you live in crazy land, actually. I, do I live thought I lived in crazy land. You really we live, live in nutso world This over is nutso world over here. Now, I live in Washington State, and Washington State and Oregon, obviously, the great Pacific Northwest, and... We um there's there's been surveys about the least churched states in America and Washington and Oregon are always like number 
49 and number 50 as far as percentage of people who are churched within the state. It's kind of scary. We are the it, two. They're, it's very scary. These are the least well, like other countries. America, yeah. And which is strange because right next to us is Idaho. We're like 98% of the people go to church. And close to yeah, Utah, well, where you know, hundred percent good. Trump should Trump should build a wall between those states and, and yours. Oh, by the way, That's so the living in Washington State, we had our ballots. Washington and Oregon both are mail in ballots. We don't you don't ever go to a poll. It's all mail in ballots. So we got our ballots this week and sent them back. And the wife and I both voted for Ted Cruz, even though it's a exercise in futility. They sent those in. <sighs> yeah. Well, well, I didn't uh, vote in any primary or anything, so. Well, you're not allowed, you are do? you? I mean, your, yeah, fel- your felony I'm conviction keeps that from happening. That's right. My wife, did, my wife was allowed, and she actually did not vote either. Oh, um, oh, 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 oh! Before we get any well, she, more, she's my wife is a registered Democrat, so she can only vote for a Democrat. Um, Speaking of, but be- we did not. Vote. Before we go much further, and if you think that your wife is uncomfortable with you talking about this, then we can just skip it. But you told me that your wife had a reaction. <laughs> Okay. Never mind. <laughs> we'll drop it. I didn't even see what it's about, but <laughs> something that happened and something she said when she said, I thought, I just love that woman. I mean, <laughs> Billy definitely married up when she said what she said about that certain topic because it made me so happy. <laughs> uh, well, you know, she comments on Ted Cruz's hairline quite often. So. Yeah. All right, so anyway, Koran, you did a story this week about something silly happening in, in Hood River, Oregon. Why don't you let the people know about this? I, I love these pastors and churches that put controversial messages outside on their little church on billboards. Their, on their reader on their little reader boards that are out there? <laughs> I refuse to call them reader boards. I'm going to go with church billboard. I hate that term, reader board. Well, it's not so really it's a billboard. My, it's, my re- it's my reader board. Well, that's no. what they're called. Nobody they're knows what a reader board is unless they go to a church. Everybody knows what a reader board is. To be honest with you, I don't believe that, and there's still billboards. You know, I lived in Woodbridge, Virginia. It was it Woodbridge, Virginia is the, is the strip mall slash reader board capital of America. I believe it was. They're everywhere, everywhere, every business, every everything, every McDonald's, every Wendy's, every place has a reader board on it underneath their main sign. Every single establishment in the entire community. It's amazing. Well, this anyway. particular. Read the board has a message on it, two messages on it that are very controversial. And the first, one, the first message is: "Wake up, Christians! Allah is not your God. Muhammad is not greater than Jesus." So, okay, I right. think from a Christian perspective, right? It's at a Baptist yes, church, and that's what Baptist church believes. Yes, theologically accurate. Right. The second message: only the Bible is God's word. Holy book. I don't know why holy book is in the middle in quotes, but it is. Quran is just another book. Again, what that accurate, church what that church from believes. a Christian perspective. Right. Right. So this has ignited anger beyond belief, apparently. Uh, one man was so shocked that he said he literally had to stop and back up to make sure he saw what he saw. So you stopped and the mayor. In the, you stopped in the middle on, of the tra- you stopped in the middle of traffic and backed up along the road. Well, something tells me that this is not a highly trafficked area. Or something tells me that this person's probably not telling the truth. I've been to Hood River, Oregon. What's it like? Is it busy? It's very Oregon-y. Does that mean people? Well, well, Hood River, Um, it is is the wind wind sailing capital of the world, I believe. 
because it's always well, windy. They're right out there on the Columbia, and it's it is always windy. And every time we drive by it, there's 150 sailboarders out there. Well, the mayor, and this is what I thought was interesting. The mayor of Hood River <laughs> said that he's annoyed by this, and but he, he had this quote that made me laugh. His quote was, I think it norms up this kind of behavior like, oh, it's okay to be a bigot now. What? How is that bigoted? <laughs> I don't what understand how that's, on? how is that bigoted? I mean, I don't, I, I, I mean look, there are a I, lot of stupid church signs, okay? Right. This and one, I look, would I have put this up? Maybe not, but why does it matter? Why is it so offensive? Well, and it's, I just don't understand how it's bigoted. I understand it being controversial because you're calling it, you're saying ours is the only religion. However, Islam believes the same thing. So I, I don't understand how it's bigoted because people just throw that. That's the thing. People throw this term out now all the time because that's supposed to stop other people from talking. Obviously, you're a bigot. So that's supposed to shut people up. And that's, you're a bigot or you're a racist or whatever. You're a, a something a phobe. And that's supposed to shut people up. And so he he says, behavior, it norms up this kind of behavior. Like, oh, it's okay to be a bigot. What? Well, no, that's, well, you always know what the word term bigot means. Well, can I just make a point? And this is interesting. The Shahada, which is one of the five pillars of Islam. Um, and it's, the Shahada is the belief that Muslims, it's like Muslim doctrine combined into one sentence, two sentences. And those right. sentences are, there is no God, but Allah. Right. And Muhammad is the messenger of God. Those right. are the two things. That is not much different than what <laughs> than what is essentially on that board. And Muslims do not believe that the Bible, the Christian Judeo Christian Bible, is accurate. Right. They don't, you know. So I guess again, I wouldn't choose to put this up on my whatever you, whatever you call it. I call right. it a billboard. You call it a reader board, message board, stupid board, whatever it is. Right. I wouldn't choose to do that, but because this pastor has, does that make him? I mean, a bigot? Be, I mean, no, it doesn't make him a bigot. However, that that comes across. I mean, it's a matter of though you have to figure out how your marketing works. That doesn't mean you shouldn't. What he did was wrong, but sometimes messages work better if they're if they're far more positive, saying with the things that you do believe, rather than saying God, Allah is not our God, which we do believe, and there should be no shame in saying if you if if that if your church believes Allah is not our God, which Christian churches don't believe then you should be okay saying that, including putting it on a sign if you think that's the right message. But you wouldn't, maybe you would, but I was going to say you wouldn't get the same anger from people if he had put up there, Jesus says, I am the only way to get to God, period. It would have been the same thing, same message. It would been the exact well, same I message. Guess would they, would they have been called bigot then? what you believe. Right. You show people what you believe. Right. I don't think you need to have messages like that. In a, those, those boards should be to build people up with, in, with scripture and stuff, send messages. I don't know why we're constantly using these boards to like knock other people down. Right. But that's, um, but that's what I'm saying. It's like if you, quote, if you put up a quote from Jesus and they're saying, I'm the, he's the only way to get to God, I mean, you're just simply quoting scripture and not, and not a damnation scripture, but simply a, you need to know Jesus because if you want to get to God, Jesus is the only way. I think that's fair. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I I don't like the message, but I also don't think that this is like, you oh, know, the most awful bigotry. thing well, in the world. Certainly not bigotry. Right. That's just that's ridiculous. Crazy people. All right. Speaking of speaking of bigots, just a second. Speaking of bigots, you had a, a Hispanic friend in who you came and you who harassed recently. 
Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> and actually, our listen, listeners will probably know him um, if you've been to Glenn's events and if you pay attention to um, you know cultural commentation commentators in sort of the social, um, theological, and political arena. Samuel Rodriguez, uh, the Reverend Samuel Rodriguez, um, he is with the NHCLC. He's the head of it. And I am awful with that with that acronym, but I think it's the National Hispanic Council of something. I, I'm terrible. I cannot remember anything. But anyway, he he's amazing. He's a great guy. He's a Hispanic leader, a faith leader. He's been sort of likened to Billy Graham by some people in, in terms of his ability oh. to communicate the gospel. Um, and I had a great time talking with him. In fact, the interview was so great that I think we're going to have like two or three parts of it divided up. All right. Um, but and actually, I'm looking for the acronym, and nobody can see. It's, it's nowhere it's, to be found. Let's see. It's uh, insane. But weird. I'm yes. I'm on their website. Yeah. I don't see it spelled out. Right. But but it is it is the largest Hispanic you know evangelical organization in national the country. H- and so National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference. Thank you. There, there you go. go. So, um, but yeah, he's and now he also has a book out too called Be Light. Um, and we talked a little bit about that book as di- well and dieting? the message that he has. Is it a dieting that. book? Is it what? A dieting book. No, but I'd love to be light. I wish I'll you tell would. you that much. I mean, you're making my... Can- I've been eating, you're, you're I've been eating you're, awfully lately. Right, your awfully. picture on my computer is causing my my screen to tilt. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're, we'll play this. Right, right. Let's, so let's, is this part, let's roll this, is, this interview. This is part one, right? This is part one. And then part two will we'll layer later in the week. Is that is that your... That's that's your how plot, it's happen. Your plan? Okay. Better believe it. You better believe it. All right. Billy Hollowell here with the Church Boys, and I have the Reverend Samuel Rodriguez here. How are you doing today? I'm great, Billy. Thank you for having me. You know, we met years ago, I think. It's been a long time since yeah. we've been in person. We do all of our interviews over the phone because you're all over the place doing a million things maybe, all the time. Too many things. Too many things. Well, you have a new book out. We're going to talk about that. But we have to start... <clears throat> Because every interview now has to start with Trump. I mean, we have to talk about Donald Trump. That's all anybody in this Trump country. Trump trumps everything. Trump trumps Trump everything. everything. Did you ever think in a million years that he would be the candidate? No. I'm a Trekkie. So <laughs> it, it's in a parallel universe with a rift in the space-time continuum. In fluidity. In fluid space? Maybe. <laughs> but the, no. The answer is no. I think, I don't know of anyone out there who actually... My father, believe it or not, I was saying, there's no way. Everyone's going to get so tired of him. And my dad's like, no, you watch. He'll be the candidate. And I said, Dad, there's no way. I think he was the only person who thought wow. it. And he's not He's not this big like Trump supporter. Right? He just, he's like, I think that this guy is going to do it because people, for some reason, are responding and showing up for him. But it speaks to it. Trump is not the creation of Trump. Trump is like the convergence of the past eight years to a great degree the, the, you know, the, the sort of hesitant angst building up, you know, in the, in the proverbial populist Earth's crust percolating and all of a sudden the earthquake and the consequence of the earthquake is Donald Trump. But it's been working its way up. It really has been. You know, the frustration with big government and, and religious liberty trampled on. Political correctness political a little correctness bit. Political correctness gone on steroids, right? It's, so it's that sort of, now we're seeing this sort of pop, it's Christian populism. So no longer do evangelicals want this righteous. This, this is a cursing, coarse, rude, abrasive man who engages in, in rhetorical hyperbole and demagoguery, mm-hmm. and Christians are flocking to him. 
So it's an interesting thing because it's Christian Strange. populism. It's interesting indeed. Is it is it maybe feeling that pressure of, okay, if I'm a baker and I have to bake the cake and I don't want to, and everyone's feeling pressured, and so it's like we don't even want the, a Christian. We just want somebody who's going to say whatever they want to say. It's that. It's that and more. It's, wait a minute, in a matter of seven and a half years, America has been redefined culturally, morally, um, in, in so many ways. Even economically, this thing called Obamacare, this this sort of de facto, in the words of John Roberts, this perpetual sort of common tax laid out and government has the right to, therefore it is legal. But wow, amazing. Yeah. I have to have health care. If not, I'll be fine. And Obama I'm, did I'm, tell us he was going to do this. That's what's so no, fascinating to me, America. right? I am going to mm-hmm. you know, redefine America, and he's a man of his word. And some are very happy with it, but a lot of people are not happy with it. Well, I have a problem with I, I'm not. It's not all, you know. President Obama is the fact that, and I, it, I, I, you know, I had the privilege of serving him on an advisory board, and so I have personal affinity towards him. He's the president of the United States. Uh, I, I respect him in, in the office. His wife is a beautiful woman indeed. His family's gorgeous. Uh, I disagree with him ninety nine point seven percent of the time <laughs> now, uh, indeed. But it's not just Obama, it's us. We are what we tolerate. Yeah, and no, we to- it's true. And we tolerated this. And even people that have a Judeo-Christian sort of ethos, we tolerated this. And we just, because we were afraid to be called names, because we have a narcissistic, yeah. selfie view of Christianity, and we have this idea of it's all about me and likes. I want people to like me. So we cared more about the likes and the people that follow us rather than obeying the one we follow. That, yeah, that's a really interesting way of looking at it. And I know with Trump, obviously, coming out of the gate last June, the comments about Mexico, Mexicans, the border, all – I tend to think a lot of what he says is, is planned and strategized and he knows there's going to be a reaction to it. Maybe not all of it. There was a huge reaction to that. There's been a lot of talk about him not being able to court Hispanics properly, um, not just Hispanics. A lot of other minority groups very turned off. What do you make of all of that? Yeah, I, Donald Trump blew it with the Latino community with his rhetoric on the, the immigrants. Again, the Latino community, if you do your due diligence with Pew and, and Gallup, you'll see Latinos are not in favor of amnesty and they're not in favor of open borders. Quite the opposite. We're the staunchest groups in favor of securing our borders and stopping illegal immigration because that's the community impacted like by some of the narco traffickers happen to be from the Mexican cartels. Not all of them, but you know, Trump was wrong. Listen, they're in, they're in our churches. 98.9% of all the people that came in here illegally are God-fearing, hard-working people. So I don't want them to come in here illegally. I want to stop illegal immigration, right. but I know them. They come to my churches. They do. They do attend our churches. And they love God, and they, and these guys work hard. And they, and, and they I mean, 13, 14-hour days, man. I mean, you see them in the restaurants, mowing the lawn, you know, in, in the farms in California. Yeah. I know them. They're, they're some of the most beautiful people I've ever met in my life. Donald Trump was wrong. He, he engaged in hyperbole. How does he fix it now? You know, he's completely wrong. But but Latinos are not in favor of amnesty, my point is, Billy. So, but, 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 so when they heard Trump say... I want to stop illegal immigration. They went like, yeah, amen to that. Because <laughs> these people are rapists and murderers. Not amen to that. Dude, these are, yeah. what? No. No, they're not rapists and murderers. Do you think he really believes that? No, he doesn't. <laughs> but that's the thing. So people are asking, do you think he really, no, he doesn't. That's just rhetorical demagoguery for, right. the, for the purpose of acquiring a reaction. He works off responses. He, he, his validation and affirmation comes via the conduit of people being angry with him. 
It's pretty. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, and and unfortunately, it plays into the political discourse we've had. Right, this has been this angry back and forth for years, and now this is sort of the culmination of it. It creates this, indeed. What what Donald does do though is he speaks, you know, off the cuff from right off the sleeve. There's no process, which there needs to be yeah. when you're a president, especially in a general election. Indeed, but you know, but you will. What you can't get from Donald is the idea that he's lying, except with the facts. You know, he maybe he's not aware of the facts, like with the number of, of, of immigrants that are bad, you know, or illegal, or, or better yet, better yet, criminal, not illegal as it pertains to nefarious activity, uh, but. He, you look at him, and people like him, and that, that when they say he's transparent, in comparison to other candidates, where you could smell the corruption a mile away. So you look at Donald Trump, and you don't think corruption, right? You, you think cray cray, right? Yeah, you think he's just going to say whatever he wants to say. You think cray cray, and that's urban but, contextualization for I love um, that cray cray, cray cray. But but <laughs> you don't think you know. Yeah, you don't. That no, that's true. You do so, think that about Clinton. I will say I think that about Clinton because I think that about any politician who's been in office forever, regardless of the other things around them. I just tend to think, oh, you know, it's typical politics. People don't really see Trump as a politician. Donald Trump is real. He may be really wrong. Right. But he's real. There's a sense of authenticity and transparency to his candidacy in comparison to others where you see it. It's fluff. It's programmed. It's so it's already manipulated. Right. Everything is done. Sound bites are calculated based on data and data mining and polling from the past forty-eight hours. Yeah, this is the more the most real sort of presidential candidacy that you'll probably get since Andrew Jackson. The the one moment that actually had me it was one of the first debates when he was asked about how he used the tax system, right? With like filing for bank uh -huh. you know, business. The way he responded to that, I thought, oh, wow, this is a totally different response. He said, yep, I manipulated it. I used it. It Honest. was there. Uh, and I was like, what? Wait, you just admitted that you did it on purpose? And Honesty. Right, exactly. It's such a lonely word. And it's... when he is caught in the lie, he's like, yeah, whatever. Like, it's almost like, yeah, well, no. or a flip-flop, rather. You know, of saying, well, I didn't say that. Well, you did. Here's the clip. And nobody seems to care because of that. They're like, well, it's Donald Trump. It's, it's Donald Trump. Yeah. So I have, again, I have great concerns. Can he court the Latino community? It would require a miracle. He would have to go mea culpa, backtrack, apologize, and make significant inroads. And then he may have to, as a vice presidential choice, select one of the following. Marco Rubio, Susana Martinez, or Ted Cruz. And, he, and, and if he selects one of these three, m more the two rather than the latter, he may actually begin to not guarantee, but he may begin the process of redeeming the narrative of the Hispanic American community. That's because interesting. Marco Rubio is a rock star. I think Marco Rubio should have been the candidate. That's well, what I said. I was an advisor to Marco Rubio, <laughs> and and I don't endorse candidates. Again, my organization is not at all Samuel Rodriguez, American citizen. I happen to have been an advisor to both George W. Bush and President Obama, and on this presidential cycle, I advised Jeb Bush. Uh, Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz, and people will email me and say, you, you advise three losers, therefore never advise me. <laughs> uh, I'll never seek your advice, my friend, because you're an advisor to losers. All very smart guys, though, all of them. They're brilliant. And Marco Rubio's a rock star. Mark, in my, if you ask me, like, in the future, what do you see? I see Marco Rubio and Julian Castro going at it in the rain, and it's going to be fun. <laughs> one, one of these two, if not these two gentlemen, will end up occupying Pennsylvania Avenue. Yeah, I'm a betting man. Yeah. Marco Rubio and Julian Castro, and it may be Marco Rubio first, Julian Castro second. 
uh, or, or vice versa. But Julian Castro on the Democratic side, guy's a rock star. Can't deny him. He's a uh, Catholic guy, uh, super charismatic, very articulate, great faith ethos, even though his optics on uh, life, abortion, and family and all that are different from mine, indeed. But he has a very strong faith ethos. The Church Boys. The Church Boys. Man, I hate these guys. So we have a wonderful battle unfolding between <laughs> atheists and Ken Ham's organization. I don't. It's like a one-sided battle because Ken Ham and and answers in generous Genesis. Oh my gosh, generous, <laughs> generous. That's like that's like a Caitlyn Jenner thing. Uh-huh. Answers in generous. Um, uh-huh. They have they have launched this thing called Ark Encounter, and it's not necess- It's not an amusement park. There aren't going to be rides on it, but it's a theme park, right. and it's going to be launching. I think July fifth, and this has a fully Where? scaled. Noah's Ark. It's in it's in Kentucky. That's what I thought. Um, Lexington. It's maybe? in an area very close to Ohio, though. Okay. Um, I don't I don't know the exact town off the top of my head, but it, it is in Kentucky, and this is something that they've been working on. We interviewed Ken Ham on the show about this not too long ago, right? Uh, but fully scaled model of Noah's Ark. Inside of it is a museum, multiple floors, a restaurant, and they're going to keep building beyond that. They want a Tower of Babel. They want you know they're they're going to build this whole entire oh, really? thing. To try to educate people. So what do the they Bible. serve? What, so what do they serve in the in the Noah's Ark uh, cafe? Uh, dinosaur eggs, and um, <laughs> I don't know. I have no clue. What they serve. I have no idea. Um, <clears throat> but it's not open yet. But when it's, uh, you know, that's the first place. Are you going to go? Are you going to go? I think I might go. I mean, they go keep check it out right about if it. I want to go if I want to go check out the opening. Oh, um, that'd be fun. You know, it would be fun. But fun. Um, I, put, I put fun in quotation marks. But it'd be fun. It seems like it actually, like I've heard, from what I've heard, that the structure itself is actually amazing. Like yeah. if you stand on a hill and look at it, it's amazing. I'm sure it is. Um, so so anyway, atheists, of course, are outraged that somebody would dare build a Bible-themed you know, theme park. So what they have done is the Tri-State Freethinkers, and they're based in Kentucky, Indiana, and Ohio. They have about 1,000 members. They, have, they had pledged to raise money to put a billboard up against this park. <laughs> now, they're, call, they're calling this park immoral um, you know, because they're saying <sighs> that the story of Noah's Ark is immoral. Not the park, but the story of Noah's Ark is immoral and terrible and awful and whatever. So they have somehow managed to raise like $11,000, though. So they this, were only trying to raise a couple this, thousand. This story, <laughs> this story of Noah's Ark, is is an immoral story. The story that has existed for four thousand years or more. Well, their argument would be, um, did it just trying to pull but it did it here. suddenly become immoral? I mean, this is the first time I've heard of that story being called immoral. Uh, help us remind the surrounding community and potential patrons that the biblical story of Noah's Ark is immoral and should be in and should not be encouraged as a family fun day. Um, they say it's not historical in nature and not scientifically possible. I know there are questions about you know um, other things in the Bible that they take issue with. Uh, oh, they accuse it of know. incest, don't they? I bet. Don't. I yes, I've yeah, not. Yeah. I've incest not listened to his video. I know that the inc- the the guy has a video up, but yeah. That's a common claim. Is celebrating it? genocide and incest is immoral. That was the term, the it's, line it's that they used. But it's not a celebration of the death of the people. It's the it's a celebration of the saving of the people. 
You're asking people to look beyond their dislike of the Bible. It's going to be hard. But so they raised this eleven thousand dollars, and the funny part of the story is that they had tried to convince um, a bunch of ad Lamar and a couple of other ad companies to run ads since they raised all of this on money the, on the billboards. On the billboards, okay. and so they were going to run ads against. And the billboard they they have, which we have a picture of it on theblaze.com, but it says "Genocide and Incest Park, <laughs> celebrating two thousand years of myths." And then under that, there are people who are you know trying to like get back onto the ark. Anyway, it's a ridiculous story. Silhouettes of people. I thought they were silhouettes of people. Oh, I didn't realize they're standing in the water. Well, those people I thought they were replaced with donor pictures. I like thought, donors will be able to have their oh, pictures on the. Uh, I thought they were. But still, they've been rejected <laughs> from Lamar in one other place. They wanted to drive it around the theme park, right? They wanted to drive their ad in a mobile. But I'm sure they'll find other places. I, mean, I know they're putting like 20 billboards up one place. And so, look, hey, it just gives the park more attention. Yeah. I Who mean, cares? I mean, it's, it's not going to de. I I don't think it's possible for that those billboards to decrease. I don't think it's possible for those billboards to decrease the number of people who go to the park. The only thing it can do is bring more people to it, I would think. Right? Because you're going to well, cause listen. people who haven't, people who don't care, don't care. But people who haven't thought about it are like, what is this, now what's this park thing? And actually might look into it. Right. I mean, if you're into exactly. the Noah's Ark thing, you're going to be into it regardless of what the, uh, the, the quote, free thinkers think. But Listen, I got a bow. I got to go. You got to get out? Oh, you got to. Oh, gotta it's go. because of Opalka, isn't it? All right. He so, just texted me and said, like, where are you? Well, don't you have your phone on you? Okay, we're going. Uh, you know what? I think he slacked me first. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't no. see it. Okay. Well, we'll get out then. You, any advice for the people? Read your hadith. <laughs> and, and the blaze. We love you. Have a good time. Have a good, say hi to Opalka for me. Oh, well, my scalp is really itching me. Oh, do you have leprosy again? <laughs> again. It never went away. <laughs> I wish that there are parts of me I wish would fall off. You know, not that part, but other parts. Oh my God. The Church Boys.